S in Hell, a look back at Saturday Night Live with your hosts, Matt and Keith. Brought to you by Lion's Den Audio Theater. Like and subscribe to Lion's Den Audio Theater for more Lion's Den goodness. And here are your hosts, Keith and Matt. Saturday Night Live, Season 2, Episode 21, starring Shelley Duvall. Originally aired on May 14th, 1977. Hello, everyone. Welcome, thousands. My name is Keith. Welcome to SN Hell. With me, as always, my good buddy, Matt. Good evening, Matt. Good evening to the thousands. You know, I've been saying evening, but, you know, it could be first thing in the morning, you know, middle of the night for people when they listen to this. Maybe I shouldn't be so self-centered anymore, eh? No, it's always Saturday night. It is always Saturday night. That's true, even on a Tuesday morning. Joining us again, first time since Dick Cavett, Rye Cooter, our, our good buddy Kevin. Hello, Kevin. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me again, guys. Hey, Kevin. It's great to have you back. It's great to be back on this beautiful Tuesday morning. <laughs> Do you like what we've done with the set? I love it. It's it's beautiful. Like, Thank uh, you. Thank the you. paint really brings out the colors. Thank this, you. That's what spot. I said. Tonight we have Shelley Duvall and musical guest Joan Armitrading. When I say the name Shelley Duvall, most people have one role that comes to mind. Uh, is is it that role for you guys? Yeah. 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 One hundred percent. Wendy, right? Wendy Torrance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's oddly enough, it's that, but there is some olive oil from Robert Altman's Popeye that sneaks in. Oh, yeah, I know. I do know she was olive oil. That's yeah. true. That just unlocked a memory from deep inside. She was truly excellent in that movie. Such a weird movie. Yeah. And it was Robin Williams' Popeye. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to have nightmares. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to have to watch that after this. I'm not even going to lie. It's good. It's good. I, I enjoyed it. This is a huge period of time in her career, definitely the, the peak decade. Basically, she wasn't an actor at all who, got, who met Robert Altman at a party, and he was really taken by her looks and her really upbeat, cheery demeanor. And he asked her to appear in uh, Brewster McLeod. And she continued working with him in, in, in his films, um, having appeared in Nashville and uh, recently in, in our SNL timeline. She was in uh, Three Women. She was also in 77. She appeared in Annie Hall. It's her first and only time hosting. We have seen her twice on the show already. Um, One in a non-speaking cameo during the Billy Paul sketch, which appeared on her then-boyfriend Paul Simons episode. Also in a short movie that Robert Altman made from the Sissy Spacek episode that featured uh, some clips from Three Women. I really only know her... Uh, despite the the Popeye memory, I really only know her from The Shining for the most part. Like I've seen her in little bits and pieces uh, over the years, but like whenever I think of her, it immediately goes back to The Shining. Like every time. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's pretty standard. Also, for me, part of it, uh, Hulk Hogan's uh, Suburban Commando, where she played the uh, the wife of Christopher Lloyd's character. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I remember Holy- that. She also Dear. produced that film. Did she really? Yeah, she did. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. a Hulkamaniac. <laughs> I don't know. It didn't do so well. So her love for Hogan might have uh, dropped a little bit when it, when it went into the red, the, the red and yellow. <laughs> so uh, let's just uh, jump right into the show um, the way we normally do it, because they sure as hell don't do it the way they normally do it. 
Lauren is kind of on that uh, stage behind home base with Shelly Duvall and John Belushi. They're both dressed like bees. Belushi is arguing with Lauren about something. And Duvall comes out and addresses the audience that said the original idea was to do the love scene from Flight of the Bumblebee. But an NBC executive says that due to the money lost from the very short uh, Dwayne Bobbick, Ken Norton fight, every show on NBC has to begin with clips from that fight. We go backstage to where Lorraine and Gilda are back by them goddamn lockers, and they get into an argument and they start fighting. Shelley Duvall and Jane Curtin join them, and they're throwing insults at each other. And uh, they're all dressed in these video vixen jackets, and we'll learn a bit more about that. Then all of a sudden, uh, Bob Van Rye, stage manager, comes in and says, you got to get on the stage. So or the women go out to the stage in their costumes. A couple of them carry guitars. And it goes right into another sketch as John Belushi is seen on the monitor saying live from New York. And we hear Don Pardo giving the uh, announcement of the cast. So basically, the intro is being done on this little monitor behind them as they prep for their per- performance. Yeah, so that's the cold open. We get everything, kind of. I mean, we get live from New York on a screen. Um, We get something of a cold open. We don't cut to an intro. And this really just sort of slides into the next sketch, which is going to occur in lieu of a monologue. This was really weird for me. Um, Some of the women were, were, some of the jokes that the women were throwing at each other were funny. But uh, my goodness, what what a strange, strange segment. It was really chaotic having them fight against each other. For me, some of the jokes kind of got lost in translation just because they were kind of well fighting. They're at each other's throats. Um, I just thought it was weird that the that the opening credits were just kind of on a TV in the background. So you'd, you'd miss it if you weren't like just waiting for the live from New York at Saturday night. It was strange. It was very strange. It lost me right up until it kind of blended into the next sketch. Uh, I really dug it. I thought it was uh, unique and pretty cool. And I like when they try new things and uh, I support them rolling the dice, even on the cold open. I mean, nothing should be sacred. It's late night. And I thought it really worked this time. I thought it was cool and funny. And I that the credits were going on in the background and we could kind of hear them, but we're running after them to, you know, get on the show. Yeah, these exaggerated characters the girls were playing. I just thought it was super cool. I loved it. Yeah, Lorraine was smoking. Right? Yeah. So we segue right into something called Video Vixens. And this was written by Marilyn Suzanne Miller and Howard Shore. The women are dressed in these sort of gold and black costumes on stage. Stage is done up with this like dangling tinsel motif. And they sing a song about being on a TV show. Um, Lorraine and Jane, it's quite obvious, don't actually play guitar and may have never actually seen a guitar before that exact moment. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, I didn't like this. The song to me was bad. The audio was weird. The attempts at raunch and humor didn't work with me. It was hard to hear a lot of what they said. Sometimes I admire someone for being really into something when it's really shitty. That's not the case here. The women's really, really into this. And I actually kind of, I don't know, I felt bad or kind of annoyed that maybe they were trying too hard. Coupled with the fact that this was the sort of de facto monologue. It was a real huge disappointment. I think when you pair that with um, with how the cold open uh, went, kind of because it had a bit of chaotic energy to it, I think it works really well how it flows together. Um I kind of like the uh, the raunchy high school talent show type motif, mm. but that's because I like to play fast and loose with the rules when I perform. Yeah, so I, I, I enjoyed it a fair amount, a little bit more than I enjoyed the actual opener. 
uh, or actually, you know, I, I kind of tie them together. So if I look at them separately, I don't really enjoy the opener as much, but I enjoyed Video Vixens, but putting them together, I actually really liked it. It gives a lot of energy to the show, but you do lose kind of that connection you get with the with the guest host because the, the monologue kind of sets up, you know, not so much their, their sense of humor or their comedy style or how they're going to blend with the rest of the, the cast, but mm. kind of their individual voice. When you look at Shelley Duvall, she's very... She's very adorable. She's, you know, uh, and then the first kind of thing we get introduced to is this, this raunchy song that, that kind of sets up, you know, oh, this is going to be the type of show we're getting into. But then the rest of the show is nothing like this. Um, uh, I'm still good with these. I'm, I'm two for two. It felt like sleazy fun. And, the, the, you know, the guitars are so absurd and the come-ons. <laughs> it's very, like, almost runaways. I don't know. I was just kind of annoyingly catchy too. That's the video is, uh, you know, if you contextualize it a little bit, video is hot and new 1977. So that's, uh, it's probably appealing to a variety of sensibilities. Like I'm sure the video, video vixens is surely the name of an adult store, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Probably fifty or sixty. You just throw in some extra X's, and you got a new copyright, right? Video vixens. <laughs> so our next sketch is the bank robbery costumes. This is a bank scene, and Dan Aykroyd comes in as a bank robber, and he's wearing a nylon over his head with two oranges over his eyes. And his accomplices come in. We have Gilda dressed as a witch, John Belushi dressed as a cowboy, and Garrett Morris dressed as a ghost which Shelley Duvall later identifies as a clown. So as the robbery goes on, they, they, it's noted by the staff and the customers that they can recognize what everyone else is, but they don't know what Dan Aykroyd is disguised as, and he tries to convince them that he's an insect. And they just kind of harp on about his costume being shitty, making Dan self-conscious. Even his own people start to criticize his costume. Um, Dan also mentions he tried to get some matching Harlequin costumes, and uh, they weren't available. We find out why later in the sketch. This was great. To me, this was hilarious. I love when people in sketches are in life and death situations, but they get tripped up on the mundane. Dan is also great at playing delusional. Every line out of Garrett's mouth had me laughing. Uh, Gilda was funny. Belushi was funny. And just the random people in the bank. I know Jane was there, and uh, Jim Downey had a line. Lorraine was there as an older bank teller. Uh, I really laughed a lot at this, and I laughed out loud quite a bit watching this alone in the middle of the night. So uh, this is a well-done sketch uh, in, in every metric for me. It was absurd. <laughs> I mean, I thought he looked like a bug right away, for starters, <laughs> because he had those big eyes, because he looked like the fly. But it was still ridiculous, and they were still absolutely right. Some good acting throughout. I did think Lorraine was really funny. She always looks good in those wigs. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I enjoy absurd sketches like this. Um, it just, it seems like a very stupid premise that was given such fantastic life on screen. Dan Aykroyd, I, I absolutely loved him in this. This is probably a good show of how, because normally when I see a lot of stuff that he's in later years, he's uh, more of a straight man at times. So to see him kind of uh, flow into the, the more absurd characters is very entertaining, especially how he plays off everybody there. I thought it was just maybe a touch too long, maybe, but that could just, that could just be me being me kind of thing. Cause I don't like it when a, when a good sketch with a good premise goes just a little bit too long and overstays its welcome. Um, but I generally had some, some good, some good laughs at this one. 
Did this have a Kids in the Hall vibe to you guys? A little. Yeah, I didn't think of it. But, you know, when you say that and I think of it, I can see them in it. Yeah, because I mentally put Kevin McDonald in the uh, Ackroyd role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we now go to our first musical bit. Joan Armitrading developed an interesting music when she was quite young, both writing and playing. And she basically did the, uh, the local pub and uh, tavern scene. Until 1968, when she joined the touring company of uh, the UK touring, no, I've got to say this right, a UK touring company of hair. In 1976, her album Joan Armitrading hit number 20 in the UK. And the song we hear first tonight is Love and Affection. It was a top 10 hit um, also in the UK, and I believe it did okay in the United States. She has a great voice, great lyrics. I have no issue with this song other than I didn't think this was perfect to be on Saturday Night Live. You saying it's too soft? I don't know. We're just coming off a super energetic sketch. Actually, three super energetic sketches. Um, it brings it down a bit too much for me. I think you have been kinder to worse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly have been. <laughs> I dug this song. She does have a nice voice, and it was unique, and it felt different. And you know, it was just stylistically a more a departure than the usual swill. Let's be honest. I can count on my two hands the number of hot musical guests this show has had going on almost two years, two full seasons of episodes. And uh, that's too many episodes for me to count on two hands. Does this make the list? Mm. Let's Let's talk at the next song. I need to think about it. I enjoyed the song. Um, but I'm following with you on this, Keith. Such a high energy opening act. And then you get this lovely song, lovely singer, uh, beautiful voice. I don't think it works in this context. Like if we had maybe kind of um, a different type of sketch that was a little bit mm. like softer or slower, maybe that would have worked. But just the you go from this frantic kinetic energy you get in the bank teller sketch and then this like very smooth, mellow song that you just kind of roll right into, which, you know, enjoyable as it is uh took me out of the show a little bit you you guys don't say that if that's fucking paul simon i would probably say that if it was paul simon, to be don't believe <laughs> paul simon fuck paul simon chiron this person owns his own blank t-shirt our next sketch is the continental man jane and shelly are at a restaurant talking about how much they'd like to meet a different type of man. They'd like the continental type. Dan Aykroyd approaches them from the next table, and he's sitting with some friends. He says he is Ricardo Montalban. His friends are played by Bill Murray and John Belushi, and they say they are Fernando Lamas and Cesar Romero. These are all continental men, exactly what the women were looking for. The men are confused, however, because they don't know which of the three they each are. Girls say they're waiting for three famous Georges to come and date them. Lorraine comes back and says that their dates have stood them up, and the three men introduce themselves and do a, a bit sort of on the, uh, the to tell the truth with a real Ricardo Montalban, please stand up. They have some real fun with that. Aykroyd then goes on to do a bit uh, from his Corinthian leather 
car commercial that he sort of did a takeoff on last year in season one. This was a pretty weak sketch for me. I, I think the popularity of the Continental Man at that time as a leading man was was definitely at an apex or just coming down from one. This was a bit much for me. I, I wasn't I wasn't totally into it. I wasn't into it at all, actually. I, I liked it a little bit. I certainly liked it more than you did. I, I liked those three hamming it up at first, but then it just kept going. And I thought it was too long and there weren't really any jokes there. And it felt like they were trying. It felt like they were just goofing around. I don't know. I, I, it was hard to take seriously. Yeah. I, I think they just had fun with this. But sometimes when you're having fun on stage, uh, whether it be like an inside joke type thing or like you're all in on the joke, but the rest of the audience isn't, it, it kind of gets lost in translation. They're having fun. Uh, I enjoyed that part of it. But for the most part, uh, I think it was either just too long, too much like a filler type sketch to get to something a little, little bit better, or they really thought this was going to hit like gangbusters and they just kind of went really hard with it. But uh, it's kind of a meh for me, I would say. Big old meh. Yeah, they were definitely having fun. Chiron, we have Chevy Chase sitting in the audience uh, picking his nose. The Chiron reads, he used to be on the show. Uh, I thought this was funny. I like this, actually. Uh, it was a neat little cameo from Chevy. I have a feeling he didn't sit in the audience for the whole show, though. Loved it. Thought it was super cool. I feel like he was probably backstage, like, just go up in the audience and just chill out there. Just see what we can get from it. Yeah. We now go to Weekend Update, and it starts with Jane on the phone. And she's uh, referring to a celebrity's television special and his recent appearance on Carson. And this is all one big reference to Chevy Chase, who used to do the phone bit and his television special that was airing. And uh, he had just recently been on Carson with Richard Pryor. This is a weird one. I didn't copy too too many i didn't copy any jokes down from the first half we then go to a commercial though where tom davis voices a showing of the bobbick norton norton fight and the voiceover talks about how every 58 seconds a white man is beaten by a black man due to environmental and societal problems that leave black men with very little option and the black or educational conference or environmental conference shows that there are more satisfying things to do than beating beating up white people even though we deserve it and uh yeah we'll go from there was there anything in the first half that uh, that really jumped out for me I, i'm gonna talk at the end about this weekend update and why it's different and why i liked it um so anything from the first half of that commercial i liked the intro with the uh the phone and the talking about chevy chase i thought that was pretty clever and uh, Jane just delivered it really well. And I'm sorry if it wasn't in the first half. It was it was the Patty Hearst joke in the first half? Yes. <laughs> I thought that, that was that was a funny gag. I laughed. Picture was so harrowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the phone bit was fun, but outside of that, nothing really stuck out for me. Even the first half, the boxing thing bit on the nose with the current climate that's going on right now. But I did get I did have a genuine chuckle at the at the premise of that. But for the most part. Yeah, it was okay so far. Uh, weekend update. Yeah, the big scar on the boxing match was that they did not expect it to go 58 seconds and Norton dropped him. Well, we see the fight. I think we see the fight in its entirety maybe twice. <laughs> so the second half, I do have um, a couple things. Um, rather than recalling a bunch of Mr. Coffee machines that are bursting into flames, the company is introducing Mr. Fire Extinguisher, which got a little laugh out of me. <laughs> Emily Latella doesn't show up for her commentary. So Jane calls her and <laughs> refers to her as irresponsible and unfunny. Jane gets the answering machine where Emily says, leave the leave your message at the sound of a Jeep. Jane calls her out on this. And then Emily says, oh, that's different. Never mind. Uh, Jane calls Emily stupid. Emily calls Jane a bitch. And she slams down the phone. 
it was a good Emily bit for me. It's I'm glad they're exploring other ways of doing this. Um, this weekend update for me, despite not having many jokes written down, was extremely funny. What I found really funny about it was that it was so rapid fire. These jokes were coming and you're basically, it's on you to stop laughing to hear the next one. None of them were blockbusters that have you rolling on the floor, but it, for me, the whole thing was an amusing one after the other after the other, sort of like uh, Steve Allen or, or Groucho or even Rodney Dangerfield at times where you have to really pick your laughs, which while it's not what anyone will ever tell you to do as a, as a comic performer or a stand up or anything, it's on the audience to pay attention. And I think we're going to get to see a bit more of this as time goes on where it's maybe B-level jokes, but delivered one after the other after the other, so you're getting a a, a solid performance. Jane was great here. Um, may have been her best performance so far. I really enjoyed The Answering Machine. A lot more than I should have, I have to say. Like I, I laughed <laughs> I laughed pretty loud at that. But overall, like despite the first half not having as much for me, I still really enjoyed, I always enjoy Weekend Updates, one of my favorite part of any SNLs. I feel like I, I, I should have enjoyed it more, but I'm, mm. I, I feel guilty that I didn't enjoy it as much as I, I feel like I should have, but that's on me. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you mean, Keith. Like the, it was, uh, the jokes weren't always there, but you know, Jane was ever the good weekend update anchor. I guess I kind of felt weird about it because I did like it, but uh, it, the pacing, it was, it was so well paced. I almost didn't notice maybe the mediocrity. Yeah. Next sketch is Viva Las Vegas 2, and it features John Belushi as Elvis, Bill Murray as Colonel Tom Parker. Now, this is weird, because other than Andy Kaufman's bit, uh, this is actually the first time Elvis has appeared as a character on the show, and also the last before he'll, he'll die two months after this episode, or three months after this episode aired. So Elvis is worried about his new movie, but uh, Parker tells him he's going to have to reinvent his career and stretch as an artist because of the weight he's gained. Gilda plays a stage manager, and this whole thing is a set for uh, his new film, Viva Las Vegas 2. Aykroyd is a patron of the restaurant. Frankie Nolan, who is a, a mashup of sort of Irving Mainway, E. Buzz Miller, and uh, uh, Don Marcella, Aykroyd's mafia boss from an uh, episode not too long ago. Aykroyd's date is on, out on a date with Shelley Duvall. She's happy to be out on the date, but she won't go back to his house with him. And Aykroyd says, I've spent $3 million on you. I want something back. Elvis, as a busboy, comes in and tries to calm down Nolan. Nolan says, I'm not listening to a busboy. They get into a bit of a thing. And Belushi says, I might be a busboy now, but one day I'll be a great Shakespearean actor. He's joined on stage with Garrett and Shelley Duvall to do a scene from Hamlet. For me, I mean, Belushi does a pretty good Elvis here in the sense that it's a character. He's not actually trying to sound, I hope he's not trying to sound like Elvis. It's really funny seeing Belushi do Elvis do Shakespeare. Oh, at the end of the sketch, they go into Jailhouse Rock. This is like a parody of the Elvis films that, you know, I've seen a few of them. I'm not a big fan of really any of them. It was long. It was goofy. I saw what they were going for. It didn't work for me. And, uh, and, and a really sort of bad ending. I thought this was terrible. I really hated, but I thought Belushi's Elvis was just really distractingly bad for many of the good that might be going on. But speaking of the good that was going on, uh, I thought Dan Aykroyd played that sleazy Frankie so very well. He's such a believable scumbag. <laughs> but yeah, I thought the it, it was too long. It just fucking kept going. And I didn't think it was funny enough outside of Dan Aykroyd. I didn't like it. I like the premise. Uh, I like the people that were in it, but I don't like the execution of it. 
Does that make sense? Like you had everything, you had everything there to make a really good sketch. uh, And then it just, it just kind of fell apart. Dan Aykroyd was on point. Uh, Shelley Duvall was uh, like entertaining. Garrett was entertaining, but it's just, it was too long and it was just too, too winded. That's a stupid word. But yeah, I'll go with that. Winded. There's just there's just so much going on. It took way too long to get to the to the Shakespeare premise part, and the ending was just ridiculous. Much like an Elvis movie, you know, they're so absurd with how they get to the act to get to from point A to song B, from song B to song A, and then credits. Like it's just it's all over the place. Much like this sketch, uh, but not in a good way. So you know, I I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it at all. <laughs> A lot of clunk in there, and I, I, I will note that I, did, I didn't I did say it, but I, I thought Shelley Duvall was quite good. We now go to Baba Wawa, and it's uh, Gilda, of course, is Baba Wawa. She's interviewing uh, Richard Burton, played by Bill Murray. A very funny characterization of Richard Burton by Bill Murray. Um, more of the same from Barbara Walters, Baba Wawa. Um, I just, uh, you know, this was nothing to me because of it being Baba Wawa at large. Kind of wish Murray's Richard Burton appeared elsewhere. Because it wasn't too bad there. Yeah, you know, I, I hate this stuff. You know, the thousands know how I feel about this character. Yeah, I liked it. It's stupid. It's dumb. It's short. I loved it. I had all the all, have all the things that I like about SNL. It was dumb. The characters were dumb. They worked really well off each other. I just like I liked it a lot. I'm sorry. It, no, all good. Nail me if you will, but <laughs> I just Her Barbara Walters is just so stupid. Like it's just such a such a shitty characterization, and it's you know what I, I am plagued by the fact, plagued by the fact that uh, it's done so much better later on the show, and it's, yeah, sure, I'm allowed to compare. Fuck it, <laughs> I'm comparing, and this one sucks compared to the one that comes later, and it's just just she's just doing a stupid voice. She doesn't even really sound like Barbara Walters. Technically, you could put anyone in there with like a, a kind of a speech impediment. And you get the same thing. Um, it's just it's funny because she's making fun of Barbara Walters in a very um, Tiny Toons esque type style because that's what it reminded yeah. me of. So maybe that's why I enjoyed it because, you know, I'm a child inside. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just also really like Bill Murray. And I thought they I thought they worked well off each other despite, you know, the kind of the characters they were playing. But uh, yeah, I'm still going to say I liked it. Are you familiar with Rachel Dratch's Barbara Walters, Matt? I've been meaning to ask. I don't remember it enough. No, I know. She, I feel like I knew she did it, but no. I have to say no. Also better. It... Also better. <laughs> also better? Cool. Also better. I'll look it up as soon as we're done. We now go to a film, short film, called Brides, narrated by Spalding Gray, made by Sharon Sachs. And this is some brides. They start singing in the kitchen as they iron wedding dresses. There's a a bit that men are afraid of brides because they look like dinner plates. And just, <laughs> it, this video, this film is all about uh, common misconceptions about weddings, which are not common misconceptions at all. The, um, the dinner plates, women marrying chickens, vows being replaced in favor of wedding jokes anonymous weddings vampire weddings this was an odd piece but my god i laughed a lot at this that dinner plate joke just it killed me i don't know why i just i thought it was so stupid and funny um 
the ending of it, I didn't like too much. It just kind of trails off and goes away after the vampire wedding part. But like all the stupid little absurdities of it made it so entertaining to watch that I actually went back and watched it again just because <laughs> just wanted to make sure I wasn't being like stupid about it. But I really enjoyed <laughs> I really enjoyed it. It was really fun. Uh, I like the kind of like weird, you know, taking a look at something so normal through such an absurdist lens. Why I dig it. That's why that's good late night TV. This is exactly what I want to see on late night is this weird shit with women in dresses prancing and singing and being uncanny and strange. Sign me up. (laughs) Well, I I said, if Matt doesn't like this, we really don't know each other because I thought. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was like bride exploitation. It was awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. We now go to Bad Ballet, and we see uh, Aykroyd's Leonard Pinth Garnell again, and he's back, and tonight we're going to be seeing uh, Bad Ballet called Swan. Now, it's not Swan Lake. He makes that perfectly clear. This was written by two collaborators who never met each other. They corresponded by mail. And it features Lorraine, Shelley Duvall, Gilda, and Garrett as they dance around as swans. John Belushi comes in as a swan keeper who is uh, also dancing, of course, and tasing the swans. Bill Murray and comes in as a young soldier, and Dan Aykroyd as the state poultry inspector to, uh, to chase off Belushi. Aykroyd then introduces the cast who do their bows. I absolutely love the absurdity here. This bad ser- series is hitting big with me. I am loving this. I am loving how the cast was so into this. Part of me was sad that Jane wasn't there to enjoy the fun because this looked like a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I, I thought this was pretty friggin' great. Me too. I thought it was really off the wall. Again, just the kind of uh, wacky shit that I want to see on Saturday night when I'm watching TV. I'd keep watching this if I was flicking around. This gets uh, this gets eyeballs on the TV, I think. And I keep thinking that the acting is really good this episode. Uh, I'm, I'm just that the performances seem stronger. I don't know. Everybody seems quite motivated. The host isn't really, you know what, I guess I could, I'm not trying to like spoil anything, but I'm, no, I'm already noticing at this point that, uh, I don't know, Shelley Duvall does not, not really standing out to me in any way. I know like she's been in these characters and maybe that I'm just losing her too much in the characters and I'm not seeing her. I don't know what it is though, but it's not, not hitting me. I also like this a lot. I love goofy, fun, stupid things. And this is exactly what this was. Uh, Another note is uh, like most of the sketches that I'm watching this show, whether they're good or bad, Dan Aykroyd is in most of them. And he's doing such a good job. And uh, I think uh, he's the he's the part that made it really work for me uh, is just uh, just his character at the beginning of it. It looks like they're just having stupid, goofy fun. And that's the kind of energy you want in a show to get people into it. So I, I it's fantastic. I wish this was there was more of this than, you know, the continental. So what I really liked about this bad, bad ballet is it looked like they rehearsed it a little bit like enough just to be bad without being ridiculous. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes, I do. Again, it looks like they're having a lot of fun on stage. Um, They kind of get into these weird caricatures of professional dancers uh, that aren't professional dancers, I guess is, is the motif, but you can tell that they're really, they're really into it and they're really having a good time. And it really kind of draws you into it despite how, um, you know, how short and how, yeah, goofy the premise is but it really works for it yeah i really love dan Aykroyd in this as well like a lot 
So we now go to Night of the Moonies, and Dan Aykroyd and Garrett are trying to deprogram Shelley Duvall, who is a young Moonie, and these were members of the Unification Church, led by uh, Reverend Some Young Moon. Dan and Garrett offer her a lot of bonuses for uh, for chilling out and, 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 and leaving the church, but uh, she doesn't want them. She calls, like, TV the devil's paintbrush. Um... Belushi comes in as, as some young moon. Suddenly we had a, a we had a graphic on the screen saying Night of the Moonies. So this is basically a take on the zombie uh, movies. Aykroyd learns that his wife, played by Lorraine, has been turned into a moony. And Lorraine gave everything away or sold it and gave the money to Reverend Moon. Garrett and Dan have a bit of a chat and then a bit of a physical altercation. And Dan turns into a moony. Garrett tries to flee. Murray comes in as a sheriff, kills all the moonies and Garrett. Strange ending. Uh, and then, but then we have Shelley crawl towards the camera and ask if the person has heard about Unification Church, and asks if they mind if they talk for a while. You know, this Mooney thing was uh, was a huge thing in the '60s and '70s, and uh, definitely of its time. I really enjoyed this. Um, not like top tier sketch, but I got a laugh out of the whole thing, and it, it kept bringing me back to the South Park Spare Change episode. If, if that's any reference to anyone, yeah, I, I remember that episode. The zombie, um, a lot of homeless people, they give change yeah. to one of them and then all of them kind of swarm them kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like the sketch. It was it was fun. Uh, it mostly reminded me of dodging the free stress test tables uh, when I went to malls here in Ontario when I first moved here because those weren't stress tests. But yeah, it's it's fun. It's goofy. I, I, I research a lot about cults, uh, not because I want to start one, although if you know if you guys want to join, I'm all for it. Um, but just the whole concept of, of cults in general and how they kind of get together. Uh, I liked Belushi as, um, as you know, the, the head of the Moonies. It was quite, quite fun. Uh, and Bill Murray as the sheriff at the end was hilarious. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Kind of a, you know, I, they had no idea how to end it. So they just killed everybody, which is a common staple in a lot of sketches that I write myself. Yeah, it was fun. It was goofy, fun, goofy, short, fun, favorite things for any type of sketch. I, I didn't like this so much. I, I didn't think there was a lot of good jokes there. It didn't make me laugh. And I, I, I'm not enjoying Belushi this episode. I, there's just something about him. I don't know. I just, I don't dig in this episode. Attack of the Motor Knights. You know, I'm fine with skewering cult personality that dupes people into their nonsense so that you know that's fine but i don't know i just didn't think i didn't think it was funny we now have another performance from joan armatrading shelly duvall comes out in holding a hot cup of coffee introduces her i don't know why the coffee stuck out for me armatrading does down to zero was uh again a nice song i didn't like it as much as the first one it definitely hit more bland territory for me uh, i get i like her i enjoy her voice and so forth but to be honest for you know, for a Saturday Night Live type type show. Um, I just didn't think it, it it worked with what we're watching kind of thing. I think it's a little bit better than what I've seen so far in Saturday Night Live. I'll give it that. But at the same time, it's not, even if you switch the songs, I still think it would have the same effect for me. The uh, the question the thousands are wondering though, Kevin, do you prefer her to Rye Cooter? <laughs> uh, yes, I do. Our next sketch is called Van Argument, and this is uh, obviously a Marilyn Suzanne Miller one. Dan and Shelley are a couple. She, uh, Shelley is pregnant, and they're at sort of self-serve buffet type thing where they're uh, arguing about uh, whether or not they should buy the Stars Born soundtrack because Shelley is a big fan of Barbara Streisand. But Dan wants to buy something for his van. They get into an argument about the amount of work that 
Dan Aykroyd puts into the van, the amount of time he spends in the van, and the amount of money he spends on the van. She thinks he thinks the van is more interesting than she is. He's excited about doing things to the van, and he asks her opinion. And uh, she says that a lot of his changes, or his most recent change, really stinks. And she's been keeping the peace by saying nice things about the van. And she goes on to talk about how tacky and and crummy it is. He says she was impregnated that one night watching the Lawrence Welk show uh, in the back of the van. And uh, he was picturing the Lennon sisters as he was uh, sowing his seed, if you will. If the baby's a girl, Shelley's character wants to name it after Barbara Streisand. Dan does a bit in there about a van being a movable fur house, which I thought was kind of the highlight of the sketch. He then agrees to buy her the album, and she says she won't be naming the uh, kid after Barbara Streisand. This was a quintessential Marilyn Suzanne Miller piece. It's not one of the better ones. It goes on a little long. It gets darker than a lot of the other ones. There were parts of this I really enjoyed and parts of it I didn't. I think it did go a little little too long. Shelley and Dan's performances were, were fantastic. Compared to some of the other ones we've seen, like the lunch counter, this isn't so good. But compared to the one we saw in the Sissy Spacek episode, I, I preferred this. So, uh, it doesn't fit in necessarily on Saturday Night Live, but doesn't mean it's not a good piece. Uh, these must be really fun to uh, for the cast to fight over who's going to get to do them. It had a very one-act play type feel to it. Like, I, I kind of got lost in it for a little bit in terms of, you know, what I was watching. I kind of forgot I was watching Saturday Night Live in parts. But at the same time, I felt like he may, maybe as he went more into talking about his van, he could have been a bit more, I don't know, unhinged kind of thing to add a bit more of a, a funny streak to it. I did find the the van is a, a home on wheels, a big furry home on wheels or something to that effect. Um, I thought that was a funny little bit in there. I think it was way too long, like way, way too long. But otherwise, you know, it, it was okay. You know, like I'm, I'm saying it's it's a meh plus if that if that's a rating I can give. But, uh, you know, I didn't I didn't hate it, but I, I feel like it could have been a lot better. A little bit in the opposite direction from you guys, because uh, a problem I've noticed with this sketch. Yeah, their performances are great. And a problem I've noticed not the first time this episode is that there's, it's just not very funny. I'm enjoying it in, a, in its own way. I'm not saying it's bad, but I wish it was funnier. But this is this this one here is part and parcel for her stuff, right? Yeah. It's a real treat actually to be honest to 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 watch her stuff because some of it has really nailed it for us and really knocked our socks off and and it's none of it is, you know, this goofy shit that you think of when you you know, you don't see too many aliens or uh, you know, land sharks in in her <laughs> stuff. So I don't know, and I know the with the third chairs it's really been split on Mind you, they've seen different ones as we've gone, but it's really been split on both how much they enjoyed it and a lot of folks talking about is how applicable to SNL is it. But I, ha- I have the sense that the actors, the performers on the show were probably super excited to do these because they were so different and it did give a chance to show some performing range. Yeah, I'm willing to accept that maybe this is the maybe it's stylistically, it's just not quite up my alley, but because I'm, I'm certainly enjoying it uh, on some level. It's not shitty you know we've seen shitty this isn't shitty yeah so we go to a chiron this person is hyper passive we then go to the good nights and shelly duvall says goodbye i really enjoyed it and the cast comes up for the regular thing belushi is holding up a, a cardboard in the shape of an m so he's still sending messages out to the uh, to the young girl who's who's got cancer in california super nice of him and it's not something you don't always jump to nice with belushi unfortunately 
So uh, let's get to our ratings. Uh, Shelley Duvall as host. I thought she was integrated excellently with the cast, and at times it took me a minute to realize that it wasn't Lorraine or Gilda. She was really, really good here. Uh, she flubbed a few lines here and there, and she didn't stand out at the sort of look-at-me host type thing that some of them do, but she had a lot to do, and she did it extremely well. Uh, real extreme kudos for me for the versatility she showed, and it seemed like, uh, you know, if she was being tested here, she passed with uh, flying colors. I, I lost her a little bit in her characters, and I guess that's you could say that's a testament to her performance, sure. But I don't know, like, well, but to your point, like, sometimes you couldn't tell who it was. I guess I don't really think that's a good thing. She, she was good, but I do wish there was it was a little more standouty. You could make a drinking game of it. Where's Shelly? That's kind of where I got from 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 this episode for the most part. I really enjoyed her, but I didn't think there was enough of her in the show. There were some sketches where she was kind of like a set piece for the most part, uh, with very little lines. But at the same time, she you know the. She worked well with the cast and, and, you know, that's a a testament to being able to, you know, you don't want to be problematic, but at the same time, you know, when you're the host of a show and your name is on kind of the marquee, so to speak, uh, there should be a little bit more of you there, um, like outside of the, the, the van couple scene at the end, which I thought she did really well in, um, you don't really see enough of her, which I think is a, a bit of a problem, but I, I did enjoy her for what I saw her in. Yeah, she didn't do anything alone, and she was never a lead, was she? No, and she didn't have her monologue. She didn't get a monologue either, which you know, the video vixens uh, cold open was was fun, and she, you know, she looked like she was having a good time. But I enjoy that 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 monologue. You know, I enjoy getting that view into this person's comic voice, kind of thing. So post uh, after SNL, acting wise for Duvall, she, she stayed busy. Uh, we've already mentioned her roles in in both Popeye and The Shining. She, and the, the three women, which was out, she certainly got a lot of uh, accolades for as well. Um, amazingly, she she really became quite a busy producer in the 80s. Uh, she had her specials and series like uh, Fairy Tale Theater. She founded Think Entertainment. And she retired about 20 years ago and, and has been living in Texas. Um, full disclosure, there have been some stories over mental health struggles and such, but... Uh, there's definitely also some sensationalism in there as well. I'm not going to go into that because uh, I'm just not. Regardless, I think Shelley Duvall has had a great career and she has been retired. And uh, I thought she was a pretty damn good SNL host. So the music, uh, I thought it was really, really good. Didn't jive with the late night vibe. But if that's my only complaint about music in, in the first couple of seasons so far, uh, that's not a bad thing. I do think this is one of the better performances of the year. Whether or not it'll make the top five, I don't know yet. And I'm just really surprised that she's a name that I've heard of and I know is a musical act, sort of like Dinosaur Jr., but I could never name a song, and I don't know if I'd ever heard one before. <laughs> I know Dinosaur Jr. is a band. I've heard of them. People talk about them, but I don't. I would not be surprised if I've never heard a Dinosaur Jr. song. Um, she's been in and out of the spotlight fringes uh, since this sort of commercial peak. Always a favorite with audiences, uh, big and small, um, and and a really, really strong supporter of up-and-coming artists. 2019, there was a documentary called Me, Myself, and I that was made. I actually may check it out because I I was kind of intrigued by this performer. It was really just okay for me. I didn't, that second song really dragged me down. I really dug the first one. So I don't know, maybe I think it was a bit of a one hit wonder for me, but I mean, it hooked me for number two. So I guess it did its job. Anyway, I'm not, uh, I'm not looking it up. 
on Spotify, to be honest with you, uh, but I get why people dig it. It's not really entirely for me, but I really appreciate that it wasn't the same old shit. I just feel it didn't gel well with uh, what you get for a late night comedy show. Um, I enjoy like I enjoyed the music, but again, in the environment that we are with, uh, you know, a late night television show of goofy proportions i just think it sucked a bit of the energy out in the first bit I, i'm not going to say i, I disliked her as, as an artist because i you know i could see myself listening to i have listened to music similar to that uh here at home but again it just i feel it didn't fit well with the show what's the uh, worst sketch of the night fucking barbara walters sketch fuck that that's almost always a given for you isn't yeah it? i really hate it i really think she does a shitty job and it's a stupid voice and it, it, she's, not, like, she's not even trying to sound like Barbara Walters. She's just doing this stupid voice and it's getting laughs and they run away with it like it's a big fucking hit. And it is a big hit. Maybe I'm the idiot, but whatever. I still hate it. So I'll hate it and be an idiot then. I think I might go with Night of the Moonies, actually. You know, it's, it's, it's a fun sketch, but I just, I don't know. There's stuff about it I liked, but to be I just out of all, everything I've seen this evening, it wasn't as uh, engaging as everything else. And as we've established, I did like Baba Wawa because, again, I'm a stupid, goofy child. So, yeah, that that would be my pick of worst of the night. Although, to be honest, it wasn't the show wasn't terrible overall but uh you know in comparison to what we had there yeah that that's what i'm gonna say yeah we have had some episodes where any one of the sketches from that episode would have been worst of the night if it was on any other episode um for me it was video vixens uh my god for me this was a rough terrible way to start the show after some of the really good musical performances we've had from cast members, basically anything with Garrett, things like Chevy's Girls, so much good. This was just the shits for me. I, I couldn't stand it. I felt bad for the performers. You know, they may have gone out there to energize the audience, and it was a super energized audience. I'll give them that. I just found that their unfunny, raunchy meta jokes didn't work for me, and the and technically as far as like the sound and all that sort of stuff. And even the friggin' flashbang being off center, just little things like that just pissed me off. Didn't like it. Would have rather a monologue. What was the best sketch of the night? I actually want to say badly disguised bank robber. I actually really liked that more than I should have, but I really liked it a lot. Um, I actually think Dan Aykroyd for most of this episode has been fantastic, but I, I just really enjoyed how, cast played off each other you have the host in there everybody has a part to play uh and it was really enjoyable to watch um so yeah i'm going with badly disguised bank robber that's me that's two for badly disguised bank robbers i thought it was the funniest stuff of the night dan Aykroyd was sensational everybody was good on it garrett was hilarious under that sheet lorraine was so good at them taking the post yeah it was, it was just uh so over the top <laughs> Get the broom. There's a sweep. Um, no question. About it. You know, the, the one thing that I, cause I watched this a few times and uh, the, the bank robber, even the throwaway lines were hilarious. Like Belushi saying, I had to go for three fittings for this costume. <laughs> <laughs> this was extremely well done. I've looked up who wrote it. I can't find out. I, yeah, this was uh, this was pretty friggin' damn good. And uh, also, what I really liked is, you know, I I, I showed this one to my children, and it's because uh, it's clean as hell too. It's just goofy, and it, it's really great. Uh, really enjoyed this. Who's the star of the night, guys? Star of the night was Dan Aykroyd for me. 
I loved him in Bad Ballet. He was a great sleazeball. The only good thing about that terrible Elvis sketch and killing it in the best sketch of the night as uh, the badly costumed bank robbers. It was just, just one of his nights, you know, where he really carried the episode as far as the laughs, which I, I do think it struggled with despite the good performances. Yeah, I would agree. Dan Aykroyd, 100%. Even the, the, the Van Couple uh, sketch, I really enjoyed him in that. Like, uh, There wasn't a single sketch in this in the night that he was a part of that I didn't enjoy his performance. And he's just... He was just really, really, really on it that, that, that night. It's just, it's fantastic. I, I couldn't agree more, guys. Another sweep here. This whole episode, barring a few sketches, could be released as a best of Dan Aykroyd collection. Just, he, you know, even, even when the sketch was weak, he was quite strong. Um, the Elvis one, the uh, Continental Men. Um, yeah, everything he did tonight. And he was he was in everything, and they definitely leaned heavy on him, and he came through. So overall, I did not have high hopes for this episode. I have no idea why. Um, maybe because I didn't know who Joan Armitrading was, and maybe because I don't know Shelley Duvall from comedic work beyond Suburban Commando and Olive Oil, of course. Um, I, I had no expectations for this. And the first bit, the uh, video vixens and the cold open, were pretty much what I expected. But then it came really came out of the gate for me. More than anything, what really jumped out at me in this episode, and you have both uh, referred to it, is the cast is having a blast. They look like they're enjoying being there. They look like they're having fun. And Shelley Duvall looks like she's having a great time. Even if a segment was crappy, it had something good in there. I didn't like video vixens, but they were into it. They might have been maybe too into it. The van sketch, bad ballet, bank robbery costumes were some of the better sketches of the year. Um, Brides as a film was great. Update was different, but way above average. And the music was good. Most importantly, though, Shelley Duvall, I thought, brought something to the show. It's an undefinable quality. It's not like, you know, we know what we're getting with, you know, the Buck Henrys and the Steve Martins and the Elliot Goulds and these folks that come back and you sort of know where they're going to go. She came out and she was pretty damn, univer- pretty damn uh, versatile tonight. I really, really enjoyed this, and it's really tricky to identify what qualities were there tonight other than the cast really seemed like they were happy to be there, having fun, and the audience was digging it. For me, I gave this one a 7.5 out of 10. I'm going to give it a 6.5 myself, um, only because I think there should have been more Shelley Duvall and the Shelley Duvall hosting episode of, of Saturday Night Live. Like I, I enjoyed her. I just wish there was more of her in it. Um, but in terms of the overall quality of the show, you know, even bad sketches had good qualities to them. Uh, everybody was on their a game. Um, but Dan Aykroyd was just, uh, he's just so good. He's he's so good. And if, if I could choose anything that made it even more spectacular for me, I am in love with that bride's video, but yeah, it was was good. It was a good episode. Really good. It's an interesting one for me. I didn't. I've been complaining the whole time that I didn't get a lot of laughs. I didn't get a lot of laughs. And it's true that I didn't, but I still enjoyed it. Uh, I do wish the music was a little more raucous or, you know, a little cooler. Um, But it was fine. It wasn't wretched, which it could very well effing be sometimes on this show. It can just be completely wretched. Update was good. 
Uh, I enjoyed the the beginning with the cold open and the monologue, and uh, I thought that was clever and unique. But I can't help but agree that there there was a missing Shelley Duvall element that should have been featured more prominently. That they, I feel like that they let the ship sail on a little bit. I don't know what's up with that. Yeah, that bride's video was really good too, and I liked the video vixes. They were kind of sleazy. Oh. I'm like sitting here torn over like decimal points. I'm going to give this 6.5 out of 10. So with my 7.5 and uh, Kevin and Matt 6.5, we wind up with with 6.8 out of 10. And the IMDB is pretty close to us. They went with 7.2, which, you know, is low for them. For season two, this one winds up ranked 14th overall. And uh, 259th to date of, of all the episodes produced thus far. That's uh, that's low for me, I think. I, I certainly enjoyed this more than a lot of the ones that uh, people tend to like better. Seems a little low. Yeah, I, I would say so, too. I think the I, this particular episode is, you know, it's trying its best. And when it does its best, it does it really well. I usually wasn't bored. That That's a pretty good sign. The only time I felt bored was during that Elvis sketch. I really didn't like that. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't pick it for my least favorite because of my seething hatred for that Barbara Walters impression. <laughs> <laughs> but I hated that fucking Elvis sketch really bad. So, Kevin, thank you very much for joining us tonight. This was a lot of fun again. I'm so glad to have you back. And uh, spoiler alert, you'll be kicking off season three with us, won't you? Yes. I'm very excited. Hey, season premiere. Um, always great to have your uh, your knowledge on uh, script writing and sketch comedy performing and stuff like that with us. So uh, I appreciate you coming out and, uh, and chit-chatting with us. Not a problem. You can have me here anytime. So Matt, next week is the end of season two for us. Uh, do you know anything about the episode? No. Okay, so I'll tell you first, the thing that's going to excite you the least is the musical guest is Jennifer Warnes and Kenny Vance. Yeah. Yeah, that's not exciting for a season finale, yeah. <laughs> that's why I dropped it first. Um, and our, our third chair is uh, my friend and, and Kevin's longtime friend and, and Matt's newish friend. I'm a young man by the name of Mark. Oh, yeah, Mark. He's all right. He's all right, guy. Did we lose you, Matt, or have you and Mark had a falling out? <laughs> <laughs> I don't talk about Mark anymore. No, I didn't know uh, Mark was uh, on next. That's awesome. It's been a while. Yep. And your host, Matt, is uh, some guy named Buck Henry. Oh, sweet. It's about time. I need a hit. <laughs> we need a good dose of Buck Henry every yeah. five weeks or so. So yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be it for uh, today. Season two wraps up next week. Uh, tons of videos up. A uh, lot of support lately. A lot of great comments coming in uh, through different channels. Please, if you like what we're up to, like, subscribe. Um, tell your friends. Tell your parents, actually. Uh, our, our, our demographics skew in the 50s, which is so awesome. But it's also the people most likely not to subscribe and like things which helps with the algorithm. Anyway, um, so yeah, Matt and I will be back in about a week with Buck Henry, Jennifer Warnes, Kenny Vance, and Mark for the season finale. But until then, we will be dressing like flies and dancing like swans here in SNL. <laughs>